Hey, Outlandercast clan, Castle Massey, as you know, rocks. They are America's original apothecary company since 1752. So don't waste your time worrying about Christmas shopping anymore. Head to Caswell Massey and enter Outlandercast at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Hi, this is Barbara calling from one of the original 13 colonies, New Jersey. Hey, girl. And you're listening to our favorite Outlander recap, Outlander cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander cast. It's a podcast, of course, dedicated to Outlander on stars. Are you still smiling? Because I haven't stopped. Honestly, I haven't stopped since that episode aired and I saw that silver fox and I heard his voice. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> what an amazing episode. In case I don't know you, hi, my name's Mary Larson. And my name's Blake. And I'm thinking that I'm, I'm going to go gray at one point in my life. Well, you'll be joining me. Because I, I, I got like I got one gray hair. <laughs> you're gonna go gray probably when you're ninety uh, by the yeah. rate that you're going gray. I got gray. one gray hair. It's right in the front, right here. Yep. It makes me feel distinguished. I'm glad that that does because I've got a full head of salt and pepper, and it's gonna be your rocking sight in, in just about a year. I'm growing it out, guys. Right. I will not look like Murta. Murta has. Whew, Silver Fox for sure, man. <laughs> but what a great episode. So, of course, we are here. This is the listener feedback episode for Savages. Super pumped to hear what all of you thought about this incredible episode. But before we do that, before we get into the show, we want to make sure that you all know how to follow us and make sure that you know how to subscribe to the podcast. So you can find OutlanderCast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, all with the title OutlanderCast. And you can become an official member of the OutlanderCast clan at OutlanderCastClan.com, where Mm -hmm. you can get great benefits and extras this season, like the extra off-air after Doc after podcast Doc. episodes, access to special Outlander cast giveaways, which you'll hear more about at the end of the episode, free swag, and much more. Are right, you ready to get into it? Yes, I am. Oh, that is Ooh. the wrong song, Blake. Ooh. That was fancy. That is the wrong song. That is so fancy. This is the one that we wanted to do. some great feedback of course about this episode first and foremost we had a website reply from a lady named Rebecca she said regarding your thoughts in the trailer for the next episode I shared your reaction however maybe there is nothing they could have shown from episode 406 that would be a non-spoiler maybe the entire episode is full of spoilers and so they went with Lord John Gray and Willie because David Barry has been promoting the show and most people probably know he'll be on it and because of that Willie probably will be on it too 
Willie is not a big factor in season four, so maybe they didn't think it would be that much of a spoiler. And yes, it is odd that the opening credits clearly indicate Roger going back in time. Not sure why they included that clip, but maybe they figured most viewers would assume the character does go back. I think the reference to 1768 is a mistake in the show. It has to have been 1769, considering Mm -hmm. that Claire returns in December of 1766, basically 1767 for all intents and purposes. And then it takes several months to voyage to Jamaica. They then shipwreck on colonies, and then they've been there a while before Jamie starts building the cabin. And then we have to assume that it takes many months, too. Also, if Jamie says Brie is in 1971, then he is in 1969, because the difference is 202 years, not 203 years. That's how it is in the books. Mm -hmm. And that's how they've been working with it in the show, a 202-year difference. So a show mistake in this case, says Rebecca. Well, well, you know what I still say no matter what? But. Not great, Bob. <laughs> Not great, Bob. Just the timeline of this episode did get a little wonky. Did get a little wonky. Yeah, it did. It it was it was not I, I, I don't know. I, I the whole the whole thing with you know, all the spoilers, the timelines, all of it, it was just I mean, we just granted at the end of last episode we made that just for our book readers if they wanted to stay on. So if people didn't watch coming up next week, sorry. Yeah, sorry. We just ruined the preview, (laughs) which means that Stars and Run More and all that company ruined it by hanging that all out. Well, Erica also wrote in, she said, I'm surprised no one picked up on or mentioned in the podcast Murtaugh's reaction when Ian stated Jamie was looking to make a present for his wife. It was so masterfully subtle. And the side eye he gives when he says, you were married? (laughs) <laughs> what he was really saying was, no fracking way am I melting down my beloved Ellen's silver candlestick for you to give as a present to your second fiddle, Claire, knockoff of a wife. How dare you betray Claire. every woman who has ever meant anything to both of us. And it just makes Jamie's reveal about Claire return so much sweeter in the end. It was perfect. That's so true. Like, seriously, because he's like, are you serious? This is like the one thing that I can touch in this time that also Ellen touched. I'm not going to melt this down for the pie hussy. No, <laughs> hussy 2.0 that's what he thought he was like he married the pie hussy we've already been in trouble with one hussy we can't get in trouble with another hussy amen <laughs> now our friends here on Facebook in the Outlander cast clan gathering also weighed in on this episode that's right Donna cu- chimes in she says how did they get that house together so quickly it looks like they went shopping at Ethan Allen I mean Ooh. did you see those chairs around the table very very sturdy they're, they're better than the chairs that we got oh my gosh our three and five year old rip our chairs apart we need Claire and Jamie's chairs. Uh, she also says, that Mary, the fires were kept just outside the house for cooking, and okay. I think it helped to keep wild animals away. Mm-hmm. And as far as the doll catching on fire, that for me was not entirely unrealistic. In fact, I was surprised the whole fo- forest yeah. didn't go up in flames. Yeah. Like, yeah. excuse me, Native Americans. Excuse me, Cherokees who live in like a couple trees down. Yep. You just set everything on fire. Okay, <laughs> where is the fire department? And Claire, if you have an outdoor stove, why didn't you put the hair scalp in there? Mm-hmm. That way your house doesn't get stinky. <laughs> <sighs> yes, that's 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 how it works. Linda Hoyle wrote in and said, there are acting agents specific to children. Infants have very limited time on camera. So studios always use twins. Teachers, social workers are required when children are working to look out for their welfare in addition to requiring a parent guardian there. And this of course is because in the last episode I commented on how newborn that newborn really looked and just you know 
I, if you know anybody that's ever lent their child, yes. a newborn child, because it's different if it's like a kid, but man, a newborn, I don't know if I could have done that. Our kid actually would have stunk on camera. Let's be oh, real. Our man. child was loud. Loud and proud. L- loud is not the word for, for our kid. Anyone who else has gone through colic, you know what we're talking about. He would not have been little baby Clara wow. <laughs> on screen. Dude, ugly, ugly, ugly that was. Oh, you know what? What? Hannah Joe Hilliard says, oh my gosh, Mary, I was thinking the same thing with the Pocahontas song the uh, whole time. Nerd! Hannah, are you my spirit animal? She said, this is why I love you guys. Always on the same page with references. Savages, savages. I, I still can't believe you made me play that on the podcast. I still can't believe it. Yeah, but it's kind of amazing because it's totally what happened in this episode. I'm surprised it wasn't in the credits. They were too busy showing off Lord John Gray and Willie. So for, for those of you who are, are watching us for the first time live or you're listening to the podcast for the first time live, the listener feedback episode that we're doing right now, th- this is an agenda-free episode. Yes. This is, it's, it's agenda-free. It's all dictated by you guys. And I think it's actually kind of apropos that we're, we're doing this one live today. We were a tad late with the last episode uh, just because our, our, our bands were, were, were giving us a little bit of a hard time. Little bit of a hard time, yeah. And uh, so we thought, hey, it'd be fun to, to go live. And uh, as always, this 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 show is meant to be consumed via podcast. But for those of you who are watching us right now uh, live, uh, this is just a fun little inside uh, way into the be a fly in the wall in the House Larson podcast studio. So hopefully, we, we'll get a chance to be able to do this uh, going forward. Maybe a couple of times here. You know, and there. You when they're know. not. Staying up all night, being crazy, <laughs> being crazy. All right, Blake, this next one's for you. Uh, this one comes from Marine Perot. She says, "Hey, Blake, I'm not sure how I feel about your outlandish theory on Brie being pregnant." Right. Listen, it's a Garen freaking tea. As I said, it's the Christmas season, so it would make sense that Blake would think that a virgin could travel through the time and uh-huh. suddenly be pregnant. Uh huh. I don't know. Tis I'm just, the season. I'm just saying, but I have a similar feeling about <laughs> Roger going back in time. And to me, it's not so much the opening credits that gives it away, although I had noticed that man with the picture before. Yes. From a very basic storytelling standpoint, there mm. are just a bunch of clues that point out to the fact that Roger is going to be fo- is going to follow Bree. You don't build a character as much as Robert ha- Roger has been developed if it's to end up not doing much with him. We would not keep following his character story if we were not to follow Brie, if he were not to follow Brianna. His whole existence in the show revolves around Bree. So of course their story is not over. Of course he's going to follow her. Plus, writing 101, she said, uh, please don't follow me. And when a character tells another character not to do something in any story, you can be sure that's exactly what they're gonna do. Sure, Roger might hesitate, but you can bet he'll end up following her. So, in the end, to get back to your point about the image in the credits, I don't think it's a slip from the showrunners. I think they don't hide the fact that Roger will go back in time because it's just simply obvious. And I think that they think it's obvious and not really a spoiler. It may be for the first few episodes of the season, but as soon as we get the sense that Brie is going back in time, it seems clear that she won't be the only one. Now, now, Marina, I actually kind of agree with you on this one. I think it's relatively straightforward that Roger is going to end up following her back. 
And we knew well in advance, well, well, well in advance, if you're following the show and you're a super Outlander nerd, and like we said last episode, you're listening to this podcast and you're so writing you into us. So you're, you're, you're a wicked Outlander nerd. You're in good company. You watch the trailers, you analyze the trailers. More than likely, you actually listen to the podcast episode of Mary and I analyzing the trailer. We spent an entire hour analyzing a two-minute trailer. <laughs> um, so you knew that in, in at the end of the trailer they show Brie going back. So you knew well in advance. I agree that it may not be as big of a spoiler for those of us who are wicked into the show because I think for those of us who listen to the show, I mean, watch the show, listen to this podcast, we're all, I think, intelligent, uh, engaged fans that care about it and analyze and study it and want, want to you know, just have it be part of our lives. But for somebody that is a casual watcher, someone who doesn't necessarily listen to the podcast, I mean, they get millions of listen, millions of, uh, of viewers, of viewers, and I can tell you, we don't have millions of podcast listeners. We got thousands, but not millions. Um, I think there are there are casual watchers, and they don't really have that. Um, I would say engagement level that either we as podcasters do, or you as the engaged listener or engaged watcher does so i think regardless for us it may not be a terrible huge spoiler but for for those people i think it's kind of a big deal and to let that information out even if they don't consider it a spoiler or the spoiler to the nature of that would not ruin but it just inhibit the story i would say you know that that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal if you're if you're paying attention. So, uh, but that's that's just my opinion for 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 what it's worth. I, I, that's all. I, that's all I'll say about it. I, I'm not. I really don't have anything else. Um. Let's, let's see. Let's go to the emails, my darling. Okay. So Sarah wrote in and she said, I love your podcast. Since I'm the only one of my friends who follows Outlander, I feel like an opportunity to rehash and unpack each week's episode with remote friends listening to you and the other members of the Outlander cast clan. I'm giving you a virtual high five, Sarah. Giving you a virtual (laughs) high five. She said she had to write in this week with a quick observation. She really enjoyed the conversation we had in the podcast about the benefit of showing the interaction with young Ian and Murtaugh before the Jamie and Murtaugh reunion. As you said, it enabled us to experience Jamie's point of view, the silver-haired fox from the back, while also seeing Murtaugh's expression as he heard Jamie's voice before he turned around, revealing himself to Jamie's shock and joy. What I especially love about this is the mere of Jamie and Claire's reunion in A. Malcolm. In that episode and the one just preceding it, we got the same opportunity to witness a reunion of beloved characters staged from two points of view and got both the dramatic payoff of Claire's nervous anticipation it's not Jody and the ch- oh, Blake, you need to do it. <laughs> it's not Jody and the chance to see Jamie's face as he reacted again with the, th- the shock and the joy at recovering a loved one he thought had been lost to him forever. One more way the showrunners cleverly ground this episode from the books firmly in the mythology and the world of Outlander. Just loved it. Thanks for deepening our enjoyment of this terrific show week after week and providing a sense of community and camaraderie for all of us fans. Oh, that's Thanks, what we're Sarah. here for. That's what we're here for. All right, and then Dina also said, tell me I'm wrong, but I think they're all connected. The hints of the Lord John Gray return, a very shady dealing with Governor Tyron. 
Tryon. Tryon. I'm, I know. I'm blind in case you guys don't I'm know. I'm on Burgundy? I'm trying to see, Blake. And even <laughs> on Jocasta. Yes, even dear sweet on Jocasta in two sets of remarks could cause quite the stir. The first one, namely that she's keeping an eye on Jamie and his activities and that the absence of her sight doesn't prevent her from knowing what's going on. And the second one is when she tells Claire that she's the reason Jamie... Nope, oh, I lost it. You lost it. I lost it. Did you touch the Google Doc? I did touch the Google Doc. <laughs> Luckily, this is agenda free. <laughs> well, there we go. There and then go. when she tells Claire that she's the reason Jamie has been kept from reaching his full potential, she suddenly become not so sweet anymore. So might I also slip in and mention that if Aunt Jocasta's words aren't to be feared then... Certainly one cannot forget the chilly first meeting between Jamie and Lieutenant Wolf on Aunt Jocasta's front porch. Oh, okay. Yep. A wrong move from any of these characters has the potential to lead, land Jamie right back in jail where he's been many times before. And another thing that she finds most unsettling about Aunt Jocasta were hers, was her admission to knowing about Jamie's time in France, which leads her to believe that she would have known about the fights the duel the duke of sandringham claire's dalliance with the king and even about how they had to flee france yet it makes one wonder why mm -hmm. Aunt jocasta did not use her considerable wealth and influence to be more helpful to jamie over the years my what a tangled web we oui, weave! Oui. wow all great great stuff jeez imagine that you know working in family re relations not an easy thing okay not an easy thing. No. And that's why Jamie wants out, man. That's <laughs> why he wants out. Jamie's at it. Nope. I'll take your chairs onto Jocasta. I'll take all the Ethan Allen, all the Pottery Barn, all the Fixer Upper help. Give me all the Fixer Upper. Because supposedly y'all did this in two months. Maybe. <laughs> it's not even snowing yet. Well, they've, they've, we've had people say that it, apparently maybe it, the, the beginning of the season was in 1767. But didn't they have the time? Yes. When Claire was by the water and they were talking about rabbits, which rabbits. Yes, rabbits. Being, rabbits. You know. Hello, rabbits. We're rabbits. here again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Peter Rabbit. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I knew what you were thinking about, but I don't think many other people no, know. No, no. See, that's a problem when you have kids. Yep. <laughs> you you just, quote children's movies. You, for, for no Pocahontas, reason. Pocahontas, Peter Rabbit. <laughs> All right. So, Abby. <laughs> Abby wrote in as well. Do you uh, want to read Abby's? Yes. Abby says, hey, a long time listener, first Hello. time writer. Thanks, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Uh, she says, I love the podcast and listen to a ton, but I can only think of one other time where I've actually ever sent in my thoughts. And that is how strongly I felt about sharing this email with Ooh. you after listening to the Common Ground listener feedback episode. It has actually zero to do with Outlander. Do tell. What happened to poor Joe Lando, and when did he get old? <laughs> Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman reference. If you if you remember, we we had a big Doctor Quinn oh, Medicine Win yes, Woman reference in the last listener feedback yes. episode. She says, I watched Dr. Quinn as a little kid when yep. it was airing, and I made my mom buy me the boxed sets of DVDs for Christmas Classic. For, for years. Classic. For years until I had them all. Keep in mind, I was probably 17 to 20 years old. Oh my God, I love you. And asking for Dr. Quinn DVDs, <laughs> which I proceeded to watch endlessly, by the way. I instantly recognized Tantu Cardinal as Snowbird. And I was recently watching some uh, Dr. Quinn on Amazon Prime as a 30-year-old single mom, as they are inclined to do, uh, after, a, after the toddler bedtime. And she Googled Joe Lando because 
damn, Sully is smoking. Sully has always been smoking. And I knew Sully was smoking when I was seven years old. (laughs) And after I Googled him, I cried a little on the inside (laughs) and watched like three episodes of Dr. Quinn to return him to my desired mental image. So if you need a Dr. Quinn refresher, the entire series is free on Prime Video. Hashtag, you're welcome, Blake. (laughs) You're welcome. Angela Hickey just let us know on Facebook Live that actually this episode took place at the end of May. It was on the flyer. Once again, I'm blind, so I missed that part. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but that would help clear things up quite a lot. Well, before we continue with the rest of the episode, we do want to thank our sponsor. So we've talked about them before, but in case you're new, all Caswell Massey products are proudly made in the U.S. and are sulfate, phthalate, artificial additive, and cruelty-free. They're the first purveyors of fine fragrance 266 years ago. Castle Massey was at the forefront of American perfumery. Today, they are still pursuing beautiful, unique fragrances. All of their niche fragrances, Supernatural, number six... Marum, LX48, Beatrix, and ROS, Ross. Are we saying it Ross like that? Yep. Were formulated by expert perfumers that actualize Castle Massey's dreams for the fragrances. And they are all made just to be as beautiful as the same way in soaps. And I'm going to tell you, the soaps are the soaps are incredible. The niche fragrances, though, have extra special soaps that carry their fragrances. Our absolute best creations. These fragrances have been made into oversized Castile soap bars with a super healthy natural olive oil base. The blend they use in their creation of these soaps is one that they've been using since the 1860s, oh. guys. And it's become one of their long-standing best creations. Perfect for their niche fragrances. The olive oil base of these soaps is a natural deodorizer and detoxifier that lathers beautifully and cleans gently so it can be used all over the body even the face and hair so to experience true perfumery and craftsmanship and for 20% off your entire order visit caswellmassey.com and enter the code outlandercast at checkout I just want to say I know I love Caswell Massey and I've been talking about it. All their yeah. products are just freaking great, including my my favorite, the number six. Here comes the General Washington. Seriously, guys, George Washington wore it. He wore the I number can't six. Can't even handle this. So, can't even handle it. Uh, I'm just, I'm very, very, very happy with their products. All right, so listen, we want to get back to the Outlander Cast Clan. You can go to outlandercastclan.com and get your. Uh, your feedback to us there and for the most part generally you're always going to be featured on the podcast uh, when it comes to the listener feedback episode because we love that community there over at outlandercastclan.com but they're the extra 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 special they're the extra extra special the cherries on top so this one is actually coming from a live viewer right now it's angela hickey so angela thank you very much thank you very much for this comment and i wanted to put it here it's it's it gives us a lot of context. Bring it on. Uh, to what we're watching. I'm going to sit says, back and listen. She, she said she just listened to the podcast and she wanted to talk to us about the time. Blake, it has not been 1768 the whole time in the show. It was actually 1767 when they got there. That being said, the show has dropped the ball a little here. Someone wanted my take on the timelines because it was confusing. So here it goes. 
I can tell you that the season's timeframes logistics are a bit screwed up as well as confusing this season. It doesn't make a lot of sense and is also very out of whack as it is compared to the book. And truthfully, I'm trying to piece it all together. See, in the book, the Frasers start building Fraser's Ridge in early August of 1767 mm -hmm. and recruiting settlers, etc. They make friends with the native people at that time as well. And Jamie wants this basic cabin built before the winter. Yeah, like the mini cabin. It's like a little, little makeshift one. Right. So we see a scene from that winter around Christmas that we did not get in the show, but they are in their cabin at that point. Would have really enjoyed that. We hear of their boom of growth over the spring and summer of 1768. Great friendship grows between the indigenous natives and the Frasers. Also, Claire and the Atawahi. Uh, by the way, I uh, uh, I checked that out, how to yeah. pronounce it. It's Atawahi. Atawahi. in the show becomes close as they share knowledge of treatments and herbal info. Then, by October and November of 1768, Jamie has a number of tenants, and the situation occurs with the Mullers and Atawahi, and, and she is killed. And at that point, the Frasers had been there for 16 months or so. So, Bree travels back on May 1st, 1971. This is equivalent to May 1st, 1769 and Claire and Jamie's time, which means that Jamie and Claire have been on Frasers Ridge for nearly two years. Also, by the time Bree sails to America, it's around 7, August 1769. So it confused me a bit when Attaway says she is here. She's actually not there for another year. Now, it could be that the rabbit is being a symbol for Bree, which we discovered all the way back in... Um, all about the rabbits in this show, huh? The, ba the battle joined. I hope that that little shawl that... Claire wears that little vest isn't made of rabbits. She thinks that it was either med med <laughs> You know what I'm talking about now, don't yes, you? Yes, I it's do. It's awkward, huh? Uh, she, it it kind of does look like a rabbit for too. I know. That's, that's what I'm a little nervous about. Just uh, saying. It was meant to be foreshadowing or the, the show screwed it up. And I'm not sure how long the show is depicting and how, how it is depicting how it, the time has passed between mm -hmm. the Fraser's arrival and this episode. It looked like fall when they arrived in Fraser's Ridge. Yes. And it is the end of May of 1768 when Jamie is in Woolham's Creek recruiting, according to the flyer. So, so upset we missed Christmas. I know. So I'm thinking maybe eight to ten months. However, at that point, they should have already had settlers. The thing to remember is that when you are seeing... What you are seeing with Roger and Bree is not time-locked to what we are seeing in Claire and Jamie's time. Roger and Bree are a year ahead of them, or at least should be. They seem to reiterate this on the show by time-stamping Claire and Jamie 1768 and Roger and Bree in 1971. So that is 203 years. But the difference between the time periods when they travel is 202 years. So Roger and Bree are a year further ahead in their time frame. So it's not synced up, at least according to the logic, which is the logical breakdown. But this show often screws up on its timelines and its consistency. Now, she did read the script. And when Jamie is telling Murtaugh about Brianna, the script says she lives in Boston in the year 1970, which would be correct since it's 1768 when they're talking. My gosh, my mind is so buzzing. I'm like, oh, Buzzy, buzzy, confused. <laughs> but but in the show, Sam said 1971. Yeah. Which doesn't so add up. I, I don't know. If Why would he add an extra year, Sam? So they definitely messed something up there. And Sam. Sam said the wrong thing or they didn't catch it. Sam. And she says, I know I probably confused you more with this response. <laughs> Actually, I find it to be relatively easily to, easy to follow. I'm just upset that we missed Christmas on the Ridge. I agree. And the fact that they didn't show it. 
is like where's Marsley's baby there's no like yeah if if Marsley had the baby and the baby was like a year old they don't necessarily to have to tell year. me well but whatever you know they they don't have to tell me straight up front but they have to give me something well, she didn't have that to have the time baby. has passed if that was fall and then it's may she hasn't had the baby yet right and that's the problem that that's the issue they showed this house perfectly 100% completed yeah. and whatever and all and they they according to what the show has given us so far the show has given us that they were in 1767 and now and then they were in the somewhat fall time of 1768 so basically within a year according to the show's logic they did all the traveling they made the deal with Tryon. They found the land. They built the house. They 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 established uh they established uh, this healing business with Claire. They did all of that stuff yeah. within a year and a half. Good for them. Are you kidding me? You know they're and, motivated. And and Angela, I I just have to say, Angela, uh, I I love speaking with her at OutlandCastClan.com. I I think she is a a great contributor. And I and I and she is very protective of Outlander the books and very protective of the show. She's always on my case, but when I when I get rough on it, so I have to give her this. Oh, that's for you, Angela. I have to give you that because you admitted that the show screwed up. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I don't mean that I like... I thought it was uh, an outstanding because she clarified the timeline well, for us because well, it's yes, crazy. Ob- obviously. And my mind is all boggled. Yes. That's why you got the outstanding in my opinion. Well, yes, that too. I, but that is, that's a close second. The, the fact that you were able to admit that the show messed up a little bit and you owned it and you're like... It's it, not it just her fault. I know, but I'm just saying she's it's very Matt's protective. Fault. It is Matt's fault. It is absolutely Matt's <laughs> Whenever fault. Whenever anything goes wrong, yeah, I'm gonna blame, you blame Matt. it on Matt. <laughs> oh, the poor guy. You know, you know. I, I called like, Matt. I just called like him the other day. Trying to have a, a like a sweet little moment about rabbits interwoven throughout this this whole show. This whole show, they like throw in little rabbits meaning something, and then there's Claire wearing a rabbit vest. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm always. I'm. I'm always. Yeah, I'm always gonna blame Matt. The poor thing. I called a good friend of the show. Called him up the other day. He said, Matt, you got some messed up things here. Stop. Stop. <laughs> All right. Meredith, who is also um, a member of the OutlanderCastClan.com, loved seeing Murtaugh again. She's glad that they didn't simply have Fergus, who's out looking for settlers, bring him back with him. But it does give Meredith an outlandish theory for later on. The last thing that Murtaugh saw at Ardsmuir was Jamie being taken away by John Gray. He likely knew about John's interest in Jamie and after what happened at dinner that one night. So he, like Jamie at first, probably thought John was taking him off to do unspeakable things to him. And Murtaugh has been having those thoughts for many years. So can you imagine him finding out that John became his best buddy, his best friend in the absence? He wouldn't be happy about the governor who sent him, Murtaugh, to the colonies because Jamie's friend is raising his son. So I think that when Murtaugh and Lord John meet again, they will be competing for the position of best friend. <gasps> They're totally oh. going to be best bestie. Um, there's going to be a bestie battle, guys. Oh, yes. This grumpy warrior butting heads with the book-learned gentleman would be so cool. Girl, Meredith, mm-hmm. 
I'm down with this conflict. Murtaugh's going to be bringing all the conflict. We all thought like, oh, it's Murtaugh. He's just going to have like little grumps and like cute little one-liners and mm-hmm. just like be sweet and jolly and his old like curmudgeon self that we just love so much. He's bringing all the conflict. You're right. Yep. It's going to be like West Side Story between he and Lord John Gray. Lord John Gray is going to be there in like his cute outfits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, actually, we have a comment here from Wanda Merriam, and I wanted to bring this one up. She says, we are getting way too technical. Why can we not just enjoy the series? Well, Wanda. Because I want to nerd out, Wanda. Wanda I want to nerd out. I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate... Um, the fact that I just want to enjoy the series too, but we have a show to do, and people. This is what we do. Yeah, people have brought these questions to us. They wanted to clarify a couple of things. I think it's a conversation worth having. And if we were to just not engage with the material, if we were to just not engage with the show and just say, "Oh, I'm just going to enjoy it," and, yes, I I love watching Outlander, but sometimes it's okay to talk these things out, man. It's like, it's fine. Like why burn a scalp in your house? When there's a perfectly good fire outside. Right. I think she probably would have preferred to be outside in nature. I don't know. I just... You don't think she would have preferred to have her scalp burned outside? I I think that she would prefer to have her scalp to begin with. Seriously. (laughs) Let's be real. All right. On Kroll checks in and he says, by the way, I also love the Craig Nadoon scene Mm -hmm. and the fact that they do it differently each time one goes through. Agreed. I'm looking forward to Roger's version. (laughs) You know, I hope that his is a mess. I hope that his portrays it the way that the book describes it. Like literally, they're just making it look like you're walking into Macy's. <laughs> what? Here we go. I'm gonna go see my mom. Like just a revolving door where people are spraying you with with perfumes, and it's a joyous, easygoing time. I want Roger to go through and be like, "Oh my gosh, did I just almost die?" Right. Because that is the way it's described. Yeah, I would love to see. You know what I would like to see actually. Actually, Tell me. Here's, here, that's a good idea. What? Instead of Roger like showing up to the to the stones, maybe he shows up to the stones and it cuts to black. And then all of a sudden you just see Roger like wake up like, holy jeez, what was that? Like, I think I would love to see that. I would like a little narration of what it feels like. Yeah. If Roger kind of bugs out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know how it's kind of like, oh, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of uh the fantastic beasts when uh the uh I, see this is this is the problem with the fantastic beasts what with the the fat guy with the mustache okay yeah when he the when muggle he, when he goes the non-madge when the no, the nomadge <laughs> the nomadge or, or if it's french it's no magique um you know what just you're a wizard harry you're welcome and, and you know and because i brought on no magique i since i know the french term for for a muggle <laughs> yes yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the port key. Remember how he goes through the port key and he's like, yes. oh, oh, what? He's like, I'm going to puke. I kind of want to see Roger have Agreed. that same reaction. Agreed. Or else everybody thinks they're just going to be able to go to Craig Nadoon this spring. Okay. And have a great old time just traveling through the stones like they're entering a revolving door at Macy's. Mm. That's it. I'm telling you. Yep. Okay. So you were about to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was about to say this. Uh, as an aside, two years ago, my wife and I were at the site where they filmed Craig Nadoon in Perchier. Uh, the sunrise view of the hill that they used is actually pointing west. Mm-hmm. So all of their sunrise shots are actually sunrise shots or, or sun- sunset. sunset shots. 
they can be seen in the very first episode in season one. And when you compare the shadows of the stones in the shot with Claire and Frank in the morning with the ones when she comes back later, the sun appears to have moved from west to east. Wow. Now that, that is some deep dive right there, You know, speaking of sunshine, though, I will tell you, I really find that Fraser's Ridge is pointing south the way that Jamie says it is. It is, as a matter of fact. I like that. Maureen Edwards also wrote on in. That's right. She says, not quite done listening to the podcast, but I've got a couple of responses to put out there already. First off, oh my God, Mary. I kept walking around my house singing, savages, savages, after I watched this episode as well. The husband, of course, didn't blink an eye. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was one of the songs in, in one of my flute music books growing up. <sighs> my poor parents. And please play the nerd alert. Nerd! Yes. Okay, you secondly, wrote. I went back and looked at the script from episode 403, The False Bride, and it says that the date at River One was 1767. The script for 405, Savages, says that it's 1768 on Fraser's Ridge. This confirms my personal theory that we were meant to realize by the fancy schmancy cabin, Claire's vegetables, and the relationships with the neighbors, and the autumnal foliage that has been a full year on Fraser's Ridge. And that explains the air. Airbnb feel to the cabin a little bit better for me. Fellow nerds, you are Those vegetables she was feeding her animals, they were beautiful. So full of color. I know. So robust. Like the carrot width. I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever tried to make carrots, something's wrong with the carrots that I grew. They're like two inches tall. Like the orange part. The green part was big. I was like, these are going to be great. You pull it out and it's a little stub. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Claire did a great job growing those carrots. Oh, you pull it out. It's a little stub. Great. All right, uh, so we, we got some voicemails now. Please. Everybody, uh, we got we have voicemails from last week as well as this week, uh, because last week our speak pipe was down. This week, fortunately, it is now up, so you will be hearing the listener feedback for uh, common ground here as well. So let's begin right here. Hi, Marion Blake. This is Leanne Flanagan from Iowa. Um, Just listening to your recap of the fourth episode and all the talk about the time travel made me decide to call you for the first time. And this is something that you might not want to put on because it is from the book perspective. But not spoil um, anything. Here we go. I've been waiting um, impatiently or (laughs) wondering if Jamie's hidden talent is going to make an appearance soon, I hope. Um, hmm. So, Mary, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, I really like that in the books. I'm, so like, I'm, I'm sitting here so nervous. Uh, we will yes. get to see that soon. So, anyway, um, just going to send that to you. Talk to you later. Thank you. Well, All thank book you. readers are nodding, just saying, interesting. 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 And this one, we actually have we have to play this for, for Leah because I didn't get a chance to. First time caller. Yay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, this is Angie from Seattle, uh, north of Seattle, actually, in Linwood. Hi, Angie. I just wanted to give my opinion about season um, four, episode four. Um, I gave it 4.8 kilts. Um, my good was... Claire and Marsali getting closer. I think it's great to show that Claire can get over her relationship with Marsali's mom and get closer to Marsali. Um, my bad, which I had a hard time coming up with, um, 
was just sort of the awkwardness still between Bree and Roger. That part kind of bugged me in the book too. Uh, Roger can't get over himself that, uh, and realize he jumped the gun on the proposal, mm. which um, is hard to watch. And um, my great was the changes from the book. I really liked that they made the man, um, the bear man, a man instead of a bear. Um, I thought that that was a really good uh, change and it just made it a lot more poignant and uh, heartfelt. I thought it was great and more realistic, honestly. So I really liked that change. And I'm just also really glad that we're moving along with Bree's storyline. I'm very excited for that part. So that's my uh, opinion of episode four i love the podcast and i look forward to hearing it for the rest of the season thanks thank, thank you. you thank, thank you very you. much I, we i really appreciated the the bear man change uh felt felt like it was it made sense here uh connie here is is chiming in she wanted to know uh since she knows how much i love history uh is am i going to be doing a regulators episode and connie Yes. As a matter of fact, I will be bringing in a special guest mm -hmm. for the regular regulators episode. A lot of people loved the back and forth between uh, both Mary and I uh, with Ed Ayers, the yes. guy we brought in to do the history of colonial North Carolina. So uh, because we had such great feedback, I thought that we would have another interview style episode as opposed to me giving a lecture. If you would like us listeners and people who are watching right now, if you would like me to give another lecture style podcast uh, about something, another historical uh, event within Outlander, I'm happy to do so. But uh, we're bringing in actually the foremost expert on the regulators. She's written uh, a book about the war of regulation and she's a professor, and her name is Marjolene Cars. And we will be interviewing her either next Monday or Wednesday. I'm looking very forward to uh, to that episode. So let's just uh, let's get that one out there. Hi, Marianne Blake. It's Kathy from Cleveland. Yes. Before I forget, those leg cover thingies are called gaiters, and I need a pair because we've just been hit with our first dose of lake effect snow. Oh. I'm giving this episode 4.5 kilts. Four for the 18th century and five for the 20th century. My good, the Cherokee costuming, enough said. My bad, I wasn't bothered that they replaced the bear with backwoods Freddy Krueger. <laughs> but the interposition of the bear fight with the Cherokee ceremony was too much too fast. Oh. It was confusing oh. and I really would have liked to see more of the ceremony oh. uninterrupted. Mm. My great Rick Rankin is absolutely killing it. Roger was my great last week, but I specifically wanted to mention Rick's acting. There's a whole world there, just in his facial expressions. I had a couple of other observations. First, I swear to God, if Ian assists Claire with a patient one more time, they're going to have to change the name of the show to Ian Murray, Frontier Scrub Nerd. <laughs> Second, I absolutely cracked up when Jamie and Claire stood in front of that god-awful CGI oh. landscape. And Claire said, if this were a painting, people would say it wasn't real. Not sure if that was irony or self-awareness. <laughs> Last, although you said you love my Midwestern accent. I do. When I was making that first observation, I really wanted to say, I swear to God. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next week. Oh, we could oh, piss her. Kathy, first ballot Hall of Famer. Just keep bringing it, man. Backwoods, Freddy Krueger, Ian Scrubner. <laughs> <gasps> oh, love, Kathy. love, Kathy. Never stop calling. 
Never ever. Call multiple times a day. Can I just listen to you talk? I just, oh my God, that was great. It's wicked good. Wicked good. Hi guys, Jennifer from Oklahoma here. First time caller, but I've been listening to the podcast for years. Oh, hey. I love you guys, but please don't use Native American. Um, It's one thing if you're using American Indian and Native American interchangeably, because many don't find either offensive. But if you're using Native American because you've been told it's not offensive and American Indian is, you've been misled. Uh, For many, Native American is much more offensive. The National Museum of the American Indian opened in 2004, decades after Native American uh, began to be used in the 60s. There's a reason it's not the National Museum of the Native American. Uh, Many find Native off-putting. It has primitive connotations. It's a monolithic term for a hugely diverse group of cultures. Mm -hmm. It divorces uh, these groups from their shared historical political protest movements, which almost all use American Indian. It also means nothing. Um, Technically, anyone born in the Americas is a Native American. Mm-hmm. Some feel the opposite and feel like American Indian smacks of colonialism and is just as incorrect. But everyone seems to agree that you can't go wrong using the tribal name. So why use Native American at all? In fact, after you made your statement that you would use Cherokee or Native American, I don't recall you using Native American. Uh, Cherokee said it all, and if another tribe shows up, you just need to use their name too. Um, avoid catch-all terms if sensitivity is the goal. Thanks, guys. I love the podcast. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That was that was a good lesson for all of us. I think. Yes. Uh, I, listen, I didn't know. I, I I'm a little overwhelmed by the whole thing. To be honest, I'm a little overwhelmed of what to say, what not to say, how to say it, when to say it. So I think I'm just going to go with Cherokee. Yes. I'm just gonna go I with, think that's the long and short. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. No, I don't think anyone thinks we are. I know. I know. But I'm just saying. I'm like, really pleased to hear this though, because I agree with you. It's like we don't know. Right. It's, so it's, I appreciate. It's just I a little overwhelming. That's all I'm going to say. It's a little Cherokee overwhelming. from here on out. Cher- Cherokee. Cool. I'm down until maybe someone uh, else until will sh- show someone up. else shows up. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Mary Blake. It's Kelty again from Western Canada. Hey, Kelty. Hoping that if I call in enough times. Maybe Blake will remember me. Just kidding, Blake, but you really did make my day today when I listened to the podcast. Um, I'll try to be quick. So my rating for the episode is 4.75, kind of like Mary, not because anything was bad, but there was a couple things missing. No sex. And I know Blake's not the biggest fan, but I love Roger and Brianna, and there was not enough of them for me in this. It might just be because I'm in my early 20s and like to pretend I'm Brianna, but there it is. <laughs> um, my good for this episode was actually Gail, because I was getting really worried that they cut her character, and I know Sophie Skelton said she was really excited about her, so I wanted to see her, and I think she really made the most of her limited time yes. and kind of With played the best friend role perfectly. Like That's how me and my friends act when someone's talking to a new boy. Um, my bad was such a really minor thing because there wasn't anything crazy that I didn't like about the episode. But for me too, the fact that there was absolutely no accent on the one English speaking Cherokee guy, <laughs> like they cast them from the same city that I'm from in Canada. And I could tell like he sounds like anyone from here, but it was pretty minor. I don't mind. And then my great, which I know you guys weren't crazy about, but I loved the cuts between the Native American ceremony and Jamie's bear fight. And I totally got that it was like them trying to cleanse the area of this thing. And nice. especially when they explained why they couldn't kill it, I was like, oh, it makes so much sense. And I really, really liked it. I think they played it beautifully and really kind of honored the tradition and the culture and everything. So mm-hmm. that's it for me. I'm sure I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thank you, Kelty. Thank I, you. I swear to God, I will never forget your name again. 
I will never forget Good. it. I, I just I just won't do it. I felt bad. I did feel bad citing something that she did say in the podcast and I actually attributed it to my girl Cheryl from Quincy. So I'm Shame. sorry. I'm sorry, Kelty. You know what? Yeah, you're we right. We love both Kelty and Cheryl. I, I absolutely deserve a, a shame bell. They're... Shame. I deserve the shame bell. Hey, y'all. This is Lauren White. I'm from Gainesville, Georgia. Hey, Lauren. And, um, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for such an awesome podcast uh, for our beloved Outlander. Um, I look forward to it so much after watching the show each week. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, Going ahead and diving right in with five kilts for this episode. It was just amazing for me. I agree with Mary a little bit that I did miss that Jamie Claire sexy time, but not enough to take away any kilts because my mind was just blown this episode. It was so great. Hmm. Um, My good would be watching them build Fraser's Ridge. Um, just building it with their own hands. It just amazes me how, you know, people used to do that and how different it is from today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I was kind of wondering a little bit where the outhouse was. And a tiny bit of me was wondering, Claire, are you missing your plumbing? You got to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I also love watching Bree and Roger. Um, I mean, I felt for them with those emotions. Love those characters so much. My bad is kind of silly, but this is the first season that, I have not been able to binge watch. I've been watching live and it's the quickest hour in the longest weeks of my life. Mm. Um, and my great was just everything about the Cherokee Indians from the costumes to um, watching the introduction with their, um, their headdresses and getting dressed. And I even really loved the um, conversation with the Cherokee grandma mm-hmm. at the end of the episode with Claire. Um, I don't know. Something about that to me was just, I just, I just really liked it. So mm-hmm. yes. this episode was so good and can't wait for next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Lauren. I, I couldn't get over the little humming in the background. Oh my God, that little Baron. Oh, that was just Love. so cute. <laughs> Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Linda from Leesburg, Florida. Hi, Linda. Love this episode. 4.9 kilts for me. Okay. My good? Actually, I have two. First, I want to say what an awesome job the Outlander team has done with this adaptation. Mm -hmm. The Brie Rogers storyline in particular has made so much more sense to me. Second, did anyone else notice you could see their breath in some of the scenes? It had to be bloody cold out there. Oh, yes. Kudos to the whole team for giving us such awesomeness under these conditions. My bad. A bit nitpicky, but I had a hard time following the bear fight in the dark. Mm -hmm. Great so much to choose from, but I'm going with all the Jamie Claire moments. I just love all the little interactions. Mary, don't necessarily need the sex, although won't complain if they want to give it to us. <laughs> For me, it's the little touches, hugs, and quick kisses. I feel that our couple is finally back. So I have a question for you, Blake. Okay. In season three after episode 307, uh-huh. there was a brief discussion about Karen Campbell. You explained to us what a supervising producer does. I noticed that she is now listed in the credits as a co-executive producer. Mm-hmm. Is that a promotion? If it is, they must see something in her that I don't. Hope you could shed some light on this. Okay, thanks for listening. To me, bye for now. Thank you, thank you. And being uh, made from a supervising producer all the way to, to a co-executive producer, yes, it is a big promotion. They must be high on Karen Campbell, man. They must be in on her because she's actually writing the penultimate episode too. Mm-hmm. She's writing, and and actually the lady who wrote this current episode, 
she, Bronwyn Garrity, she's actually writing episode 11. So Bronwyn Garrity is writing episode 11. Karen Campbell's writing episode 12. And Tony Graffia is writing the finale, episode 13. So um, is it a huge promotion? It's not. Um, because when you consider what a co-executive producer is, that's under what would be the executive producer. An executive producer would be someone like Ron Moore, Tony Graffia, uh, Matt Roberts. She's like, Karen Campbell is now the next rung down. But she is involved in the final says and she's involved she doesn't have final but she's involved in the big picture decision making process mm-hmm. for outlander so i can't tell you if that's a good or bad thing i just know from her work that's what we have so far it's not necessarily a great thing in my opinion marvin would you agree yes well i really don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'll be honest i don't know if it's a big deal or not the promotion so I don't know. No, would you agree that her work is not necessarily representative of the greatness that Outlander is? Come on. I'll just say interesting. (laughs) Trying to get you to say one bad thing. Trying to get you to say one bad thing. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Carly from Australia. Long time listener and commenter, but first time calling in. And I will start off by saying I am a show watcher first, and then when the season is over, I will read the book. And I'm really enjoying it doing that way because it leaves the show to be the show and the book to be the book. Yes. And like you, Blake, I rarely give fives. But this episode is getting a big old five from me, and I'm not surprised considering the writer was Joy Blake, who was also the writer for First Wife, which was my favorite episode of season three. So, my good, bad, and great. So, good. Uh, the moment between Marcely and Claire was very sweet, and it made me tear up. Um, we got a bit of flirting between Jamie and Claire. Mm-hmm. The bad, can't really find anything. However, I was worried about Rollo the entire episode about getting hurt. Um, and then poor yeah. Finley getting hurt as well. My greats. Hold on tight, Spider Monkey. I've got a lot of greats. Yes. <laughs> um, the opening montage of the Cherokee uh, getting dressed mm-hmm. reminded me of the montage we had of Jamie getting dressed. So I really love that. Mm-hmm. The music, hashtag Bear Flare, need I say more? I loved Roger finding Jamie and Claire in the history books and the montage that they played over that was really beautiful. And again, the music, yes, Bear. Yes. Bear Flare. Um, and the ending left me on the edge of my seat, literally. Bree's going back to Scotland to visit her mother. Yes, she's going back in time. <laughs> Can't wait for next week's episode. Um, thanks. See ya. <laughs> Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. I appreciate it. Uh, calling all the way from Australia. By the way, she's able to call from Australia, and that sound is so freaking perfect because she is using the SpeakPipe app. It doesn't cost you anything to use the SpeakPipe app. You just go to our website, just, outlandercast.com. That's right. And you go to where it says Engage at the top of the uh, at the top of the page. Go down to where it says Call Us, mm-hmm. and then you'll see a little button that just says SpeakPipe. Click that button. And you will be able to chat with us. And the audio quality, it, you know what? I'm going to give you a good Boston phrase. The audio quality is wicked pisser. I already said that earlier. Well, sorry. It's it's pisser. It just, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got another one. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Sharon calling from Chicago. Uh, first time I've called in. And uh, I wanted to thank you for putting together such a lovely podcast every week. Uh, It always makes me smile to hear your voice. Thank you. So I want to jump in with the good, bad, and the great. 
my my good is Claire feeding her animals every morning. Um, I know how she feels because I live on a farm and I have to feed my animals every morning. And mm-hmm. um, it's lovely. Uh, that was a lovely scene. Um, the bad is Roger's hat. Who the heck dropped the ball on that one? Outlander is known for its knitwear, and I just didn't get what that was all about. If I was Brie, I would have run for the stones the minute I saw that. I'm among the many people who have knitted uh, lots of things that were in the show, arm warmers, shawls, uh, cowls, etc. And so there's no excuse for that hat. Um, and the great was Kat's acting chops when it came to her standing between the Cherokee and Air Muller. I just thought she really brought it in that scene. Yep. Um, so that's that. And I also wanted to weigh in on the CGI issue um, in the beginning. I, I agree completely. And I'm always, I just always am, I'm reminded of Elisa Frank stationery. And I just keep waiting and is expecting to see a unicorn jumping over yes. a rainbow or a cupcake yes. with a little cherry on the top. So I wish uh-huh. they could change that. Anyway, thanks. Thank you, thank Sharon. You. Big thanks. Big thanks. That was good stuff right there. All right, we got another one. Here we go. Hello from the Highlands of Scotland. Yes, it's Kirsten. Link here, giving you my take on the episode. It's a good job as Outlander fans are familiar with time travel as that cabin looks like it's been lived in for years. So we've obviously had a wee time jump. Last week, they'd only cut down about 10 trees and stacked them together. This week, it's a fully functional cabin straight out of Little House on the Prairie. I half expected Laura Ingalls to traipse in with her totey wee lunch pail and pigtails. But kudos to the set designers, though. It's been dressed and created beautifully, layered with living. I'm going to jump straight to the great, Murta. The grey-haired godfather is back. And mm-hmm. how bra was that? We've been waiting for his return and it was so worth it. It echoes of the print shop reunion throughout. And I'll admit the last time I had a wee greet like that over a bromance was when Daryl handed Rick his gun back in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Duncan said online that um, originally he was to come back in Jamaica as part of a tribe of escaped slaves, but I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah. He also said that the tartan pinned to Murtra's chest is the original scrap that he had in Ardmuir, so that's a lovely touch. Oh. But the bad has got to be Murtra's speech. I thought he was going to paint his face blue and start chanting all about taking our freedom. He was havering. It felt stilted and simplistic. There he was, stoking up their fires of revolution, inciting them to go and have a square go, only for them to plod off and go and have their tea. That's all from me for now. Cheerio. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you very much. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Brenda from Seattle. Hi, Brenda. First time calling. Yes. on Savages. There's just a couple of things that I couldn't stop yelling at the TV screen about when I was watching the show. (laughs) I know everyone's happy to see Murtaugh, and so am I. But I kept wondering out loud, why is it that he has a total different personality? Mm -hmm. He's suddenly making inspiring speeches and leading gatherings when he never used to talk to anybody hardly besides Jamie. And also, when that gigantic cabin appeared out of nowhere that they (laughs) lived in, with all this great stuff in it, was anybody wondering why they didn't take the time to put a bar on the door, particularly when Herr Mueller just walked right in? Yep. Right. <laughs> Anyways, episode was great, but those two things just bugged the heck out of me. Thanks. Brenda, you great know, stuff. I will agree. <laughs> when you see Claire the night after Herr Mueller does what he does, um, and it's, you know, when Jamie comes back, mm-hmm. Sassanak, you know, you hear him say it in the distance. <laughs> The door was unlocked. They have like this little, like it's a little piece latch. of a latch. And Claire didn't even friggin' lock the door. 
You just see her like open it. She doesn't unlock. Like if that were me, I would have been like, like unlocking eight locks that I would have installed overnight. Nope, just wide open. Come on in. You know, I would say that Brenda brings up actually a very salient point, And I want to get your thought on this, my darling, which yeah. is this. We see Murta go from, like she said, the person who very rarely spoke to mm-hmm. someone who's now leading charges and like, you know, even Kirsten said, like painting his face blue and talking about you yeah. may take our lives, but yeah. you never take our freedom. Yeah. Is is this- He's uh, drinking the American Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's ready to have the his his First Amendment, man. Yeah, I would. I, I just wonder, like, is this a natural progression for Murta? Is this something that you think that he would do? Um, or is this just an affectation of the plot because that's what they need him to I do? I actually believe it. This is a guy who was imprisoned and then enslaved for the last 20 plus years, okay? Uh-huh. All of his friends died, or he thought they died. Mm-hmm. Um he got pretty darn curmudgeony having to keep his mouth shut yep. for so many years. And now he's in a land where he doesn't have to do that. I would be talking a lot, too. <laughs> that, But that, you do all the talking. I know, but... You would absolutely be like the number one regulator. <laughs> I'm not paying no damn taxes. Oh my Screw gosh. that! Oh my gosh! No, I you know it's it is tough. Uh, I think I said in the in the original podcast that I kind of zoned out a little bit because I didn't like listening to him speak all that time mm-hmm. about everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like Murta, just hug, okay? Just, just be like fun and just sweet and make those little faces that you make and make please don't eye. please don't cause conflict. <laughs> please don't cause conflict. But I'm, I'm I'm actually happy that he is ca- causing too. conflict because I said in the, like like I said in the last podcast it's an actual choice. It's a real choice for both Murta and Jamie. They're both they want to like have each other's backs, but they're both at odds. Well, it would make sense in the the social theme this episode's going on forever by the way i feel terrible um is it okay we doing okay we're fine okay good sorry sorry anyone who's listening while you're like driving or at the gym thanks for sticking with us um you know he's the blacksmith and the silversmith you know who goes and sees a blacksmith who everybody everybody so he's he's gonna be like the man who knows between him and the pie lady okay (laughs) the pie lady pie hussy i do you think she's gonna have a bigger role the no, pie hussy? I hope not. I hope not either. I really hope not. But then if she doesn't have a bigger role, it's like, what are we doing here? Why are we waste? Why did we waste three minutes of my life- With pie hussy. With a pie hussy who had to be like, hey, you're hot. My husband's out. Do you want to come eat some of my pie? And Jamie's like, yeah, no, my wife's my pie. pie is really good. And she's like, <laughs> then she's like, I'm not talking about pie. And he's like, I know you're not talking about pie. Still no thank you. Enough with the metaphors, lady. <laughs> Like, seriously, Jamie was like, I know what you're getting at. My wife's pie is delicious. I'm not talking about my pie. <laughs> so anyway, I need yeah. those couple of minutes of my life back, especially if she doesn't come back into play. I would have much preferred some more snuggle time with Murtaugh. But, I know you're not talking well, about pie. <laughs> but I feel like Mert, it's just an easy thing that oh. people have to go, whether they have bits to be fixed, whether they have big things to be dealt with. Murta would, you saw where he was in town. He's in the center of town. Everybody's coming in. I'm, I, I believe it. I believe that his character would be in this role. Oh, man. I don't love it. 
I don't like the conflict. Can he just go and like pet Clarence <sighs> and help feed Clarence beautiful carrots and cabbages? Laura Katzman says here, what if the pie hussy replaces a certain character on the ridge? Dot, dot, dot. Book readers, question mark? Mm. Interesting. Let's continue that and conversation that. in the Outlander Cast Clan book club. And then Veronica says, that hussy better not move to the ridge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, can you imagine Claire? I'll give you a pie. Pie in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a nerd. (laughs) You are such a freaking nerd. How many more voicemails? We got one more left. Okay, good. This this is the last one. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Here we go. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Kathy from Cleveland. Yes! Wowie wow, this was fantastic. Yes! Five kilts and I'm throwing in a sporn. My good, welcome back, Myrta. I was going to make this my great, but I'm not sold on him as a regulator. Other than that, it's awesome. The callback to A. Malcolm when he hears Jamie's voice before seeing him, Mm. the faces, the hugs, the snark between him and Ian, even the boogie-woogie bugle boy. I am just over the moon. And Murtaugh's eyebrow game is still strong. (laughs) My bad. When are we going to see Jamie and Claire actually together at home for more than a few minutes? Seriously. I'm not point. talking about sex, though that would be great too. Agreed. I mean, just seeing them settled into their life on the ridge together. My great, all the goosebumps. Out of way, he's saying, she is here. Mm-hmm. When Jamie tells Claire about his dream of Brie and then they hug, Ugh. his face is a mirror of when he hugged Willian of lost things. When Murta is giving his rousing speech, all I could think of is Dougal in Rent. Mm. The poignancy of the doll burning, when that's what really brought the measles to the family. And then the depiction of Bree traveling, with her voiceover reading the worst Dear John letter in history. One last thing. Roger needs to call customer service at L.L. Bean, because adorable as it is, he was supposed to get a puppy, not a nice warm hat. <laughs> See you next week, guys. Thank you, Kathy. I got a double dose of Kathy today. It makes me so freaking happy. And I'll tell you what, Kathy brought some some freaking heat on this one. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? The doll. The doll bringing the measles. I never would have thought of that. Can a doll bring measles? I don't know. Claire says it's passed person to person. Maybe that's the case. Can a doll get infected with measles? Outlander cast clan. I I call out to the nerds. Can, Can... can a, a doll Listen, bring... Claire needs some on guard in that little pouch. You don't even know what on guard is. It's that black I know what on guard is. You, you use it. It smells funny. It, smell, it smells amazing. No, it doesn't. You use all them essential oils. They smell terrible. They make... Mary put so many essential <laughs> oils on before bed the other night. Stress away. I've been a little stressed, guys. That, that it made my eyes water. It made my eyes water. I couldn't even breathe. He had to put the blanket up to his nose, up to his eyes. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And he goes... Your oils. <laughs> <laughs> I sounded like Voldemort. Your oils. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Lori McGonagall says, no, it wouldn't stay on the doll as long as it took to bring it back to his family. And Allison Fisher says, of course the doll brought the measles. It can be carried by clothes, blankets, objects, etc. So we still don't know. Ugh. Listen, everybody just needs to wash their hands. Just all the on God you can have. All of it. (laughs) Well, that is it for our voicemails. Listener feedback voicemails. So we're going to talk about the giveaways. Giveaways. Uh, The giveaways. Yeah. Let's see what I got. The the giveaways, I don't have them right up here. I don't know why. 
Hmm. <sighs> Wasn't my job. I uh, know. Hold on. <laughs> let me let me let me bring it up here. Okay. I got it. I'll I got just it. Stall. Okay. The, the the giveaways. Here we go. Number one. <laughs> the first one you can find at outlandercastclan.com. Awesome. It's the niche discovery sampler, Tell which me. would include the fragrances, the Marum, the LX46, the Beatrix, and the Roz, the ROS. And uh, that is a $90 value. Again, go to outlandercastclan.com nice. for that giveaway. And the second one is a choice of any of the following one bottle, the 15 milliliter niche fragrance. You can choose from either the Marum, the LX46, I'm sorry, the LX48, the Beatrix, or the ROS. This is a $35 value, and they wanted me to tell you that just for your reference, there is no number six. They are not giving the number six away. Here comes the General Washington. Sorry, I can't give that one away this week. However, we may be having some number six giveaways in the future, which I'm very looking much forward to. According to the CDC, the measles virus can live up to two hours on a surface or in an airspace where the infected person coughed or sneezed. Ah, okay. Yes. All right. I know. Denise says, Blake, you had one job to do. (laughs) One job. One job. All right, my darling. Are you ready to close out this bad boy of a show? I am. I am. The measles-free version of this listener feedback. cover your coughs. Cover your coughs. All right, let's do it. for listening to this podcast. Maybe you listened on Facebook and maybe this was your first time. I would recommend you check us out in a podcast app. Possibly subscribe and if you like it, leave us a review in that app. We want to thank right now Cat Cat W who says, Mary and Blake, Rock Outlander. Full disclosure, I am a card-carrying New Englander from Boston. That's my girl, Cat Now living in New Hampshire, so I don't know what you all mean by Blake's accent. He sounds wicked cool to me. No, Not garbage at all. Not garbage. I follow several Outlander podcasts, (laughs) and this one is by far the best of the lot. They managed to pull a fandom and literary critique in an entertaining and compelling discussion. I look forward to their podcast (laughs) as much as I look forward to each episode of Outlander. Rock on, you too. Rock on, you too. You're the best Outlander podcast there is on the planet. The best one on God's green earth. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Blake. It's as green as the green monster. Well, of course we want to thank all of our friends in the Outlander cast clan gathering, all of the staff at Outlander cast. We could not do this without you. We especially want to thank our patrons. So patrons are people who donate money to help make this possible, keep the website running, are able to really make sure that Outlander cast is what it is and beyond. So you can donate as little as $2 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee to really make sure that this keeps going. You get fun rewards. We especially want to thank our most generous our most generous patrons who are at the $15 level but before I do that if you want a holiday card because one of the perks oh yes for that's right. Outlander cast is that we send you a holiday card we've ordered said holiday cards guys so if you want the holiday card you need to make sure that you are the five, level five dollar and level and yes. up and then we also send a present to people who are the Sassanok level and up so if you're like oh maybe I want to switch my rank or if I want to do whatever check it out because the holiday stuff is being shipped out probably next week so if you want to check out outlandercastclan.com check out those rewards I also want you to check out one of the one of the rewards too the Sassanac level is the $10 award, uh, reward 
And if you have the $10 reward, you actually get 10% off Minute with Mary items. All of them, for any purchase, any amount of times that you do, you get 10% off. So we all know we got Christmas coming up. We all know that we got stuff to buy for people. Maybe your mother-in-law that's got everything. Maybe you want to get us some nice makeup. Or you can get some new products that Mary is offering. Yeah. I actually, in addition to doing some makeup, um, I am now doing some really cool new nail stuff. You can search the hashtag Manny with Mary, like manicure, <laughs> Manny with Manny, Manny with Mary, um, and patrons of the Sassanok level and up will also get honored that 10% off Manny with Mary, as well as Minute with Mary. Hi-yo. So we want to thank our associate level producers, Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Diane, and Heather, Jennifer, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia, and Summer, as well as our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Jana, Janet, Keelan, Christy, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Sue, Tara, Tina, Tracy, and last but certainly not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Martha, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you all so much, and to all of our Outlander Cast Clan patrons, you guys rock. You rock our socks, and you're going to be rocking our socks even more when we send you holiday stuff. That's right, and uh, we're going to actually be, gonna be recording our After Dark episode right after this, so if you do want to check out the After Dark episodes that we do record, uh, head straight to OutlanderCastClan.com and sign up for the $5 level or up version of uh, Patreon, and uh, you'll be able to watch the next episode that we're going to be doing in literally five minutes, and uh, it's a much more relaxed. We talk about Outlander, we talk about Stuff that's happened. We talk about the beers that we've been drinking earlier today. We don't talk too much because I have to bring the babysitter back in 11 minutes. I know, I know. So we got like 15 minutes. Gotta wrap that puppy up. All right, so anyways. (laughs) All right, everybody. My name's Mary. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. I love that little arpeggio at the end. Well, that's nice. I know.